Let's just say a word of prayer while we're standing here in His presence. Father, we thank You that You love us. We thank You for what the cross means. It means victory. It represents healing that was paid for 2,000 years ago. Lord, I just ask the rest of this service, Lord, that, um, Lord, Your sheep hear Your voice. So give us ears to hear what You're saying. Lord, help me to kind of stay out of the way. And Holy Spirit, that You'll uh, take me to the right or the left, whatever it be, to, to get the, the message to the people you want to communicate to today. And Lord, it'll just be able to be communicated to all ages by your Spirit. And Lord, your anointing will come and break yokes off of people today. And we just want to thank you. We give you permission uh, to come and do what you want, Lord, to perform signs, wonders, and miracles, Lord, uh, to heal, save, deliver, Lord. And we give you all the glory in advance, in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. We'll give your neighbor a high five, as Pastor John would say. And you can go ahead and have a seat. Well, hopefully, there's a few of you have some Bibles, and I'd like to kind of see them. It kind of gets me encouraged. You got any Bibles? Stick them up in the air, shake them a little bit. There we go. We're making the bookstores glad and the devil mad. Let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Slice and dice. Na, na. Okay. Hopefully, you realize this is a weapon, right? And if you believe that, repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible is a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you really believe that, give Jesus a big shout and a hand clap. All right, all right. I guess I'll continue then. Hallelujah. You know, a few weeks ago I had the opportunity to share, like I will, you know, today and next week. Pastor John is on vacation, so keep his uh, family in prayer. But I was teaching a message about choices, and the title was Choose Not to Lose. And it was off of this scripture in Deuteronomy 30:19. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make that you would choose life that you and your descendants might live. See, our choices determine our destiny and our future. The choices you make, we're living in our choices right now from the things we've decided in the past, whether they be good or bad. And some choices you make have immediate consequences, and others, uh, you don't realize those consequences till down the road. You know, there was an uh, angel showed up at, to a, a college where the professor was meeting with some dignitaries, and, and the angel spoke to that professor and said, because of your exemplary uh, you know, service in this college, I'm going to give you one of three things. You can either have great wisdom, you can have uh, great wealth, or you can have beauty. And just without even thinking, he said, I'll take wisdom. And there's a flash of lightning and smoke, and the angel disappeared, and all of his colleagues looked at him, waiting for him to say something, and he was just kind of quiet, and one of them leaned over and said, well, well, give us some words of wisdom. He said, I should have taken the money. But anyhow, choices. I preached a little bit about choose not to react, but choose to respond. Choose, you know, a lot of times we react instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and help us respond properly. Our reactions can get us in trouble. Choose not to be offended but choose to offer solutions. And so many times people leave church because they get offended. And offense is the great bait that Satan uses to keep us from our destiny. And so you got to watch out about being offended. And the other one was if you fall down, choose not to stay down. And just some choices. 
But the other thing I talked about was prophetically how the spiritual floodwaters are rising. We're seeing what they're calling natural disasters, the Mississippi flooding, and now in North Dakota what's happening there with the floods. And people are literally having to relocate because they're having to make some tough decisions and open dam waters up, and some people just having to get out of the low areas because uh, the water's just going to begin to consume them. But this is a time spiritually that it's not a time just to throw sandbags out. It's not going to cut it. It's time to literally relocate or move to higher ground, and better yet, build an ark. Let's go ahead and roll that video. And I'm talking about building a physical ark like this guy is, but we'll see what he's doing. Amen. We're not talking about building a physical spirit ark, but build a spiritual ark. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood... The Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. I shared a few weeks ago how literally the spiritual floodwaters are rising even in the church. How many have sensed that? Things going on. I mean, just within our church, and we shared this before, but I mean, the deaths of, uh, you know, 40 and 50-year-olds, a young teenager dying. We got, you know, children in the hospital, a, a young man, nine, you know, that's battling cancer. And, and then we had a, a member of our church that just passed away, uh, Chester Harrington that um, most of you might know, and uh, that would be the Coleman's too, and, um, and, and that whole family. But he had been battling cancer for about 11 years. But if you wouldn't have known that, you'd just see him, and you would never realize it, because he was just a man of faith. He was always up, and I mean, God did a bunch of uh, miracles and stuff. But, um, but anyhow, his funeral's today at 2 in DeKalb, if, if you know them and like to just, uh, but keep them in your prayers either way. Uh, just a great man of God. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, I mean, the Lord will raise up a standard. But I want to talk to you about building an ark. So the title of this message is Choose Not to Drown, But Build a Spiritual Ark. And we're just going to shorten it to just build an ark. Say, build an ark. Okay, let's look at the story in Genesis 6 about the flood. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Getting a little way that now, this way uh, during this day and age, and that every intent of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart, so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want to stop there just a moment. But Noah, and because of Noah walking after God, I mean, we're here right now, and his family was saved. But Moses, and because of him, the children of Israel delivered. But I want you to think right now. I mean, Dorothy Jones is here, and I know where her children were probably heading, but Dorothy. And because of that, you know, lives were changed. But we know where Dorothy used to be in the discos or whatever you would do in the club. You like the disco and stuff? Yeah. And, uh, but Isabel, and because of her mom, I mean, she laid a foundation and became a refuge. Uh, Carl Hilliard, uh, most of us know him. He's out there greeting, and, and you've heard his testimony how God delivered him from, from uh, being an alcoholic. But Elizabeth, his daughter, was the one that started coming to church and said, you need to come to church. It could be a grandparent, a daughter, a, a family member. But thank God, God uses people, and he's used people in every one of our lives to help come to know him personally. Now, verse 13, we'll finish this. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now Jesus starts talking and making reference back to Noah again in Matthew 24 when he's talking about the end times, how it's going to be tough, and literally the spiritual floodwaters are going to be rising. And he says, but of that day 
and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That's why the earth didn't, this world didn't end just a month ago when somebody predicted it. And it's probably not going to end on 11, 11, 11. Because nobody knows the time of that. But it's going to be like, a, he's going to come like a thief in the night. Here's what, it, in the night, here's what it says in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, the earth is not going to be destroyed by a flood again. He gave us that rainbow, that promise, that covenant that said he would never do that again. But there will be judgment, and this time it will be fire. But thank God, those that know him are going to be pulled out of here before that happens. Okay, let's talk about building a spiritual ark. Now, in Genesis 6, 14, after the Lord told Noah what was going to happen, then he gave Noah some instructions, and he said three things in this verse. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. Okay? First of all, make an ark with gopher wood. And if you, uh, you know, get in the Hebrew and study all the old manuscripts and you, you try to figure out what gopher wood is, I mean, there's some that say it's these reeds and there's others that say it's this, this hardwood. That, and, and as I began to research, I finally realized when God told Noah to build an ark, he looked at his sons and said, gopher wood. So that's what gopher wood is. You just gopher wood. But now seriously, I want you to think a minute. What did they use for lights on that ark? Floodlights. All right. Of course. But you need to make yourself an ark, okay? An ark was a symbol of salvation. It was built large enough to hold more than his family and more than the animals. So it was, it was made, and matter of fact, young dinosaurs, it was big enough for them to fit on there, just to kind of get you thinking a little bit. But it was more for, it was for other people, too, more than his family. And a matter of fact, just as Noah and his family had gone through the door to be saved, so others could have went through that same door and been saved. In fact, when the ark was loaded, it stood for seven more days before God shut the doors as a symbol of grace. That, hey, it's for whosoever will come through these doors. Okay? And Noah's ark is actually a picture of salvation in Christ Jesus as he is the door through which we need to go to to be saved for eternity. There's only one door to that ark. There's only one door to go to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's the only way you can get to God is through him. So we need to make an ark, not just a place for you, but a place for others. So how do you make an ark? And after much deliberation and thought, I come to the conclusion, we can't. So we'll see you next week. But the good news is, when you come into a personal relationship with God, you become an ark. It's not really something you can make. You can't, get, you can't do enough to go to heaven. It's like it was paid for at the cross. It was done then. You can't do enough good things to go to heaven. It was all done back there at the cross. And so when you come into a personal relationship, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and turn from your ways and follow him, you literally become an ark. Okay? So that means you will float above the judgment. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Now, look at your neighbor and say, I am an ark. Now look at him and say, I'm a sheep. I will say that to remind you of what's going on Wednesday night. 
How many were here Wednesday night? I'm telling you, it was just some great praise and worship, and then we had a video series start, and it was almost like, oh, I don't know if I want to start the video because this is so good, but I'm telling you, we had a, a man speaking by the name of Robert Morris, his pastor at Gateway Church. He's doing a message, a series called Frequency. It's hearing the voice of God, and it's all in the scripture that God says, my sheep hear my voice. It ought to be a natural thing. And he's really laying some foundation and tearing it and helping us to learn how to hear the voice of God. How many want to hear the voice of God? I'm telling you, Wednesday nights is a powerful thing. So you're not only a sheep, you're an ark, okay? And you're an ark to be able to escape the spiritual floodwaters and to help others come to salvation. Now, on your job, most jobs that have a little larger company are going to have Christians and non-Christians working there. How many are in those situations? Whether it's school or you're at a place where there's Christians and non-Christians. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. You could be at a job right now and they're laying off. They're cutting back. But you should have hope, shouldn't you? I mean, because hope floats. And so if you are an ark, you ought to begin to rise up a little above. Yeah, you're in the same situation, but when the non-Christian looks at you, they're saying, okay, I know we're going through the same thing, but there's just something in your eyes. There's something a little different here. There's some sort of hope you have. I mean, you seem to be encouraging me. And so we can all be going through those things, but as an ark, we ought to be rising above those things. I mean, even in the emergency room when you're going through things, and the nurses are trying to figure out, okay, you're, we're diagnosing this, but you still seem to, uh, you know, there's something different about the way you responded. Hope floats, and we ought to be able to, Christ in us, the hope of glory. People ought to be able to sense that in us, that hope we have, just coming through our eyes. And so the ark represents our personal relationship. Now, the second thing he said was make rooms in the ark. That means this whole thing about getting saved is not just so we can be saved and go to heaven. It's about taking others with us. And I really believe we're going to be held accountable for how we communicate the good news and if we communicate it. But we, God uses us to save others. That's just the way he did it. I mean, he took, I mean, Jesus took and gave it to the, uh, put it in the hands of 12 people, the disciples, and said, save the world. And it's just been going on and on. And think about it. You might be the only person between somebody and hellfire. You might be the only Bible somebody reads. You might be the only Jesus somebody sees. So you need to share the love of God. You need to witness. You need to invite people to church. You need to do whatever it takes to keep them from this judgment and let them on your ark, so to speak. Now, really, your life ought to be, even when you go to Walmart or Target or wherever you go, the convenience store, to get your milk, I mean, usually it's, if I can get in and out without anybody seeing me, without being slowed down. But I mean, it's to that point where you got to say, okay, Lord, here I am, use me. If I sense something, you know, somebody's, you know, their head's a little down, they're discouraged, you're ready to offer prayer, you're just, you're just kind of, your head's on a swivel spiritually. You're just open. Your spiritual radar's out there just looking for opportunities. And we kind of get reminded of this when we're on this trip to North Dakota. We... Are coming back. We decided to take a halfway break this year in a, in a town called Bridgeport, Nebraska. But I called at least five cities uh, a month before we went there to try to secure a hotel room, and, and nobody was negotiating price-wise, I say. And finally, this little town of Bridgeport says, okay, we'll give you this price. I say, okay, boom, we're locked in. And so we drive all day. We get there, and it's, you know, already 7 o'clock, and, and I'm, you know, cooking on the grill there and getting everybody fed, and I'm thinking, okay, tonight I'm going to get some sleep. Because we still got a lot of ministry to do, a lot of driving to do. Uh, you know, it's 
24 hours one way, just driving. And so then we get to Bridgeport, and I see this guy talking to Pastor Travis. And it's an Assembly of God pastor, a younger one. And he's talking to me, hey, maybe we can do some worship, get our guys, we'll do some worship in the parking lot. And I'm thinking, well, that sounds good, but sleep sounds a whole lot better. And then he, when he said this, though, I was kind of saying, well, maybe we'll draw some people, you know, that aren't church. And he said, well, maybe we can go into our church and have a worship set. And I just said, no. I, I said, honestly, I said, you know, we got some ministry coming up. I said, now, if we can do something outside and get some people that are unchurched, I said, I'm open for that. Well, he gets on the phone, calls the community center. In about an hour and a half, we're set up in their parking lot with our bounce house, our snow cones, our cotton candy. The youth are ready to do dramas. There's about 150 people that have come in. My son's in the back of a pickup with a megaphone trying to invite everybody, going up down this little main street of 1,500 people. And God ends up saving people. So I'm telling you, we just got to always be open and ready. Then we get, we have to, a 90-mile drive. Well, we got more than that, but we get 90 miles, and the bus quits right on the main street of Ogallala, Nebraska. Not a big town. We say Ogallala. <laughs> we go, ooh, la, la. And we're there, and it's, the bus just died. And the thing was, uh, to kind of the update, it ran out of fuel, basically. But the, the fuel gauge did not say that. The tech people, and even the way it responded for 90 miles, when a diesel runs out of fuel, it sucks air and you're just done. And you got to prime it. And, and this thing would, would just kind of cut off for 90 miles and start running again. And I was about another, I feel well, I'll put fuel in, but it, we were about two blocks from there. And didn't make it. And a policeman standing right there. And I think, oh, good, we got a policeman there. But he's almost like, you got five minutes to figure this out, and I'm calling a tow truck. But then he ends up helping us, and I'm riding with him. We find out we go to the same college, and I'm sharing how God changed my life with him. But, and I don't know what he did. I didn't really push that one. But then when it, one of our youth said, hey, well, I know we're here for a reason, and I just kind of that reminder, you know, we are here for a reason. I mean, this didn't catch God off guard. And because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, boy, if this bus needs a part, we're in Ogallala for at least three days. I mean, they, they told us five blocks to mechanic that's not open. No mechanics open on the weekend. I finally found another town that was going to drive in, and by then the Holy Spirit kind of gave me the wisdom of, of what had happened. Uh, but anyhow, the mechanic shows up. I said, first thing, let's just put some fuel in it. And, and I say, this guy, I, I share my testimony. I mean, I asked me once to ask Christ, like, we grab hands, we pray, and when we're done, he says, man, I never felt anything like that before. And I'm just sharing that. To, man, when we go through life, make room for other people. Amen? Okay. So say make room. All right, now the third thing he said. He said, cover it with pitch. So build the ark, make rooms, cover it with pitch. See, if Noah didn't cover the inside and the outside of the ark with pitch, the tar-like substance, that thing might have floated a little bit, but it would have sank. It would have sprung leaks. It would have just leaked water. Okay? So I want to take that word pitch. It's going to be an acronym of the things you need to do to your ark if you want it to stay afloat. And uh, not just sink. Because there's Christians out there in ark, but they're sinking right now. Because you just haven't done some basic things in your Christian walk, some basic dif disciplines. See, yes, we were given the ark in a sense. We were given salvation. But then it says to work out your salvation. There's some things you need to do if you want to be effective. If you want to hear those words when you get to heaven, well done, good and faithful service. So the P in pitch, and I'm only getting through two of these today. But the P stands for praise and worship. Say praise. Very important. Because when you, first of all, when something bad happens and the floodwaters are rising, do you panic or do you praise? 
See, to me, the definition, my definition of praise is just acknowledging God in every situation. That means when you get the bad report and the doctors say this and say, okay, these are the facts, this is what you said, but this is what the Word of God says. In Psalm 103, I won't forget your benefits, that you remove all of my iniquities. You heal all of my diseases. You redeem my life from the pit. And so when that, I mean, that you begin to praise. You be, because what happens is, when, some, when you get the bad report, when you hear you're losing your job, whatever it is, I mean, those mountains of opposition begin to get so big, they really block out the view of God. It's almost like God gets smaller. That's why you need to do what it says in Psalm 40, 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. See, when your eyes get dim and they don't work so well, you've got to take a magnifying glass, and it'll appear to make those letters bigger so you can read them. And I tell you, when the eyes of faith begin to get dim, you need to magnify the Lord. The enemy's constantly trying to make God smaller, but when you praise him, it makes God bigger. It makes the opposition smaller. I mean, you think of David. When he had to finally get nose to nose with that giant, I mean, he was pretty much blocking out the sun at that point. But, he was, but David began to praise. He began to prophesy and declare, too. Here's what praise does. Praise makes the mountains of opposition smaller and makes your, God's big, make your God bigger. Praise lifts you above the circumstances. Praise takes you from the natural realm into the supernatural realm, and things look a whole lot better from there than you do the natural realm. Praise silences the mouth of the enemy. I want you to remember that one. Praise brings the presence, and the presence brings victory. But praise will literally silence the mouth of the enemy. And I'm going to just lay some foundation here about praise. The power of praise. Amos 9, 11 and 12. Listen to this prophetic word. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and repair its damages and will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they may possess. Say possess. Now if you want to read the story of the, tenet, or the tabernacle of the tent of David, it's in 1 Chronicles 16. But it's a place of worship and continual praise. Okay, that's no longer around. But God said he's going to restore that tabernacle. He doesn't mean literally rebuild it in the natural. We're talking about a spiritual thing. We're talking about true worship in these tents right here. In this tent, when all of us come together, that there's such worship and the presence of God is so strong that lives are changed. Why can't people be healed in the presence of God? They can. And when you begin to understand the power of praise and what it does, matter of fact, uh, most great revivals, when you study them, they had some great praise, great worship. The ones that we were able to touch, we went to Brownsville, and I'm telling you, it was a mighty move of God. But the praise and worship was unbelievable. I mean, people just get right with God just in, in, the, in the praise and in the worship. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Now, G God always has a purpose for everything. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, Jesus was sent to destroy the works of the devil. Okay? And now he's saying he's restoring the tabernacle that we might possess. Listen to what the definition of possess is. It means to occupy by driving out the previous tenants, to cast out, to consume, to destroy, to disinherit. So when you put that together, God is restoring the tabernacle of David so the church will have a weapon of warfare to drive out, to cast out, to consume, and to destroy the works of darkness. Can anybody say amen to that? And here's how he does it. Matthew 21, 16, out of the mouth of babes and nursing, nursing infants, you have perfected praise. 
This is what Jesus is saying to the religious leaders when people are, are getting a little crazy in their praise. And they begin, him, they begin to really get excited when Jesus came to town. And really, maybe even lifting their hands and, and maybe getting a little excited and maybe dancing a little bit. And Jesus said, out of the mouths of babes, you have perfected praise. You know where he got that scripture? He got it from Psalm 8. And it says in Psalm 8, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained perfected praise. You have ordained strength in whatever version you read. Because your enemies, listen to this part, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Praise will silence the mouth of the enemy. And it's not just children. It's those who are willing to become like children. Children are uninhibited. They really don't care what people think, do they? When you get that way in our praise, where we're not just worried, oh, what's somebody going to I mean, man, it's you and God. It's a powerful weapon. It'll literally push back the powers of darkness. I, better stop. I cannot get Michael off my mind even as I'm reading the Scripture. I believe the Lord, yeah, Michael Rhodes, I believe the Lord saying you are a battle axe in the hand of God. I mean, then with this praise and worship and everything, I mean, literally picture yourself as a battle axe. And with your wife and the council, I see you counseling people and becoming a battle axe to lay, I mean, an axe at the roots of people's lives. You know, those roots that they, they just can't get over things, but I mean, literally laying an axe at their roots and, and seeing freedom and deliverance through counseling and, the, and praise and worship. And Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, God doesn't need our praise. I mean, just kind of something to think about. It says in Revelation 4.8 that he has angels around continually praising him. But we need the praise to bring us victory. I mean, he literally gives it to us as a weapon. See, in Lucifer, the anointed cherub that it talks about in Ezekiel 28, who was literally a one-man band who had the ministry of praise, can really understand this. He really can. But he fell because of pride. Okay, so his loss is our gain. Listen to what it says in this book by Robert Gay. And the book's entitled, Silencing the Enemy. He's talking about praise. He said, Devil, I take it from you and give it to my church. And every time they enter into this ministry of worship, the ministry you forsake, they will silence and paralyze you. So the weapon of praise and worship will bind, break, bruise, and ultimately destroy the kingdom of Satan. So let's talk about this weapon of praise real quick. Because I don't want to just be an ark that's kind of blown around with the winds of circumstances and just kind of out there floating. I think it's time to begin to shift and become a battleship. Listen to what this, I got a couple of scriptures here, but let's go with this one first. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 18. Jehoshaphat is surrounded by the enemy, outnumbered, okay? And here's his war plan. He bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Didn't look like good news, but they worshiped the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Kohathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose up in the morning, went out into the wilderness of Tokoa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness, for they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said, Ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Now, you would think, okay, let's go out to battle. Let's get the big artillery first. 
What's God's big artillery? Praise. They send out the praises. The tribe of Judah goes first. The word Judah means praise. Say praise. Okay, now look at these other couple things. In Hosea 10, 11, it's got some prophetic things for some of the different tribes. But look down there partway. It says, Judah shall plow. Praise shall plow. See, why do we do praise and worship before we preach? First of all, it can plow up your hearts. Pastor Joe leaned over to me and said, you know, there's some parts here that are very hard today. And God wants to kind of break up that ground and, and get through to you. Well, that's a lot of times that music can break up that ground. Judah plows, and it can make a way for the Lord to come. But does the enemy know that too? I think he has a message he wants to get in our hearts. And he can use music to kind of plow away. And so be careful what you're listening to. Amen? But now, look at Joel 3.9. First, we're talking about worship as a plow. Now, I believe there's a shift in this day and age. Prophetically, it says, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. How many are sensing that? It, there's a war going on. You look at our economy. You look at politically. I mean, there's literally a war going on between the powers of darkness and the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, it's time to uh, get your camel on and begin to fight. Now listen to what it says. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. And listen to this. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. See, it's a time this praise and worship has taken a shift. And you've, it started to happen really in the, in the 80s where there was a big shift, and especially in the 90s where people get, to get, get a, a revelation of, of praise as a weapon. But we're to beat these plowshares into swords. Praise is a weapon, and you need to recognize that. Amen. So when things come against you, I mean, we begin to praise God. Now, yes, pray. And praise is, we're not talking about the three fast songs, you know, we sing as praise, and then the worship song, the three slower ones or whatever. No, we're talking about an atmosphere, an attitude, where you're literally declaring God, declaring His Word. You're praising Him. And it's very, very powerful when you come together corporately. I mean, it's just amazing what it can do. But you can do that on your own. You really can. God will show up. He inhabits the praises of His people. Okay, so that pre, the P stood for praise, okay? That's the stuff you need to put on your ark. It needs to be a part of your life if you're going to stay afloat. The I is intercession. Say intercession. See, it's, it's prayer. It's standing in the gap. It's praying for others. Uh, I mean, my prayer life shifted from, you know, God, I need this, I want this, God, help me with this, to just really trying to make a shift and, and beginning to pray kingdom your kingdom come praying for other people praying for our church and you know, I still do my thing and it's at the end and I and I re make my request before the Lord but really understand what intercession is sometimes it's for some of you it's just standing between that person and hellfire and saying devil you can't have them addiction you're not going to take them down I pray for deliverance for them in Jesus name whatever it may be where you're praying for people where you're standing for people that's what intercession is so here's a couple things about prayer real quick as we head down the finish line Proverbs 15.8, the sacrifices of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but prayer of the upright is his delight. It delights the Lord when you pray. And matter of fact, it might start off as discipline in your part, but as you discipline yourself in the place of prayer, pretty soon you'll have a desire to pray, and then pretty soon you'll sense that delight, and it'll come. But it always starts with the discipline first. So prayer is a delight. Number two, prayer causes your spiritual eyes to be open to see in the spiritual realm. You know, the spiritual realm is more real than what we see right now. This is going to pass away. This is going to be burned up. But I'm telling you, prayer can open your eyes. Listen to what it happened in 2 Kings 6 
with Elisha. They are surrounded by a whole bunch of people, and there are just two of them. And Elijah makes some comment, oh, there's more with us than against us. He says, do not fear for those with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We need to begin to pray that the eyes of our family and friends will be open to manifestations of God. You want to hear about a manifestation? Yes? No? Linda, come up here. Listen to this story. Like Pastor Mike had said, uh, you know, to, to praise, and I'd been to a point where I wanted to learn how to praise more. You know, you go and you ask for things and ask for things and ask for things, but now it's time to learn how to praise him and praise him for the answers. Uh, and Friday's week ago, I had gotten up and I was doing a praise, and it was uh, more or less over the healing of uh, a sickness and illness and things like that, more so on my mother and my stepdad and things like that. But prior to all this, I'd also been praying for a manifestation that it, for my family that they would see the Lord in some, some way. Well, that Friday, I went over to my mom's, and I said, how are you doing? And she said, well, she said, I'm hurting real bad. I was hurting real bad in my side and, and down my left arm. And she said, I've been hurting for several days. And she said, but I'm not hurting now. And my stepdad goes, tell her who your visitor was. And I'm thinking family, friend, somebody, you know. And she goes, she looked at me, and she started crying, and she said, I had a visit from the Lord. And I jumped out of my chair, and I ran over to her, and I was, I was bawling. She was bawling. I was, you know, in my spirit, I was going, praise God, praise God, praise God. You know, and jumping up and down in my spirit. If I'd done that in the physical, my mother would have passed out. My mother is Church of Christ, okay? So anyway, um, I asked her, I said, what happened? And she said she had gone out on the back porch to look at her flowers and, and my, you know, to listen to the birds and things. And she said she was sitting there with her face toward the concrete at one point and she said she was hurting real bad and she said out of the corner of my left eye I could see the robe of the Lord blowing in the wind and she said I turned and looked and it wasn't there she said I turned back around and again was looking down and he stepped back up and as long as I had my face to the down it was blowing in the wind and she said, I don't hurt anymore. And I was going, praise God, praise God, praise God. So then, uh, and I talked to her about the woman who had the issue of blood and how she had pushed through the, through the crowd so that she could touch the hem of the Lord's garment and stuff. Well, later that afternoon, we went out to eat. And uh, the waitress that we had has, is new to town, and she had, was telling us a little bit about her life and this, that, and the other. And my mother said, let me tell you what happened to me today. And I mean, in my mouth, in my heart, I was just going, oh, goodness. I, you know, this is my church across mother, and she's fixing to tell this girl exactly what happened. And she told the girl about the Lord and his robe blowing and everything. The waitress was crying. I was crying. My mother was crying. But we had a good old time because the Lord showed up. And then a week later, we went to, back to the same restaurant, and that girl says, I have told so many people about what you saw and how encouraged I am. So God is at work. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. How many are going to pray for more manifestations? Amen. Hallelujah.
And Jesus is our great intercessor. I mean, he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He lives to make intercession for us. But the third thing about prayer is prayer makes a way sovereignly for God to act on the earth. Okay? That when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. God has limited some of his activities on earth and will only respond through the prayers of his children. I mean, that's kind of a crazy thing. But, I mean, he literally, uh, I mean, I have a, a, a friend that I've known in San Antonio uh, for a long time, uh, and I just call her a spirit, spiritual traffic controller. All she does for the last probably 20 years has, is just in a place of intercession and prayer. And the Lord just meets her needs supernaturally. I mean, it's crazy. But she is just praying for people, and literally, I just know there's people out there. If God needs something to happen, he'll just move on their hearts. They'll hear, they'll pray, and he'll be able to move in that way. I want to be that kind of person too. Amen? And listen what it says in Jeremiah. The Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. See, he's waiting for the words to come out of your mouth so he can perform it. Matter of fact, there's angels waiting to minister your needs according to Psalm that will minister according to the word that comes out of your mouth. Number four, the last thing about prayer. For powerful prayer, you need these three things. I may want powerful prayer. I may want to be a warship. Then you need a consistent daily prayer time. I encourage it first thing in the morning, start your day like that. I mean, you know, if somebody's trying to get my attention, I say, you don't really want to talk to me until I've had my prayer time. I mean, I just need to have a little time with the Lord. But a consistent daily time of prayer, the second thing is the Word of God. Do your prayers contain the Word of God? I mean, yeah, I have my wants and my needs and my all this, but there's times where I speak out the Word of God. No weapon formed against me will prosper. You need to speak it out loud because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The devil cannot read your mind, and you need to speak those words into the atmosphere because the kingdom of God wants to come into that situation, but it can only come into an atmosphere of faith, and God will respond to His Word. And the devil will respond to God's word. That's the very thing Jesus used when the devil came and tempted Jesus. He said, it is written. And if it's good enough for the word to speak the word, it's good enough for us. Amen? So you need a daily, consistent time. You need the word of God, and you need a prayer notebook. I don't know how many times somebody said, you need a journal. And how many years went by, I thought, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, how can God train these hands for war and your fingers for battle? Unless you're willing to take some notes. Unless you, how are you going to really learn how to hear the Lord's voice? Unless, okay, this is what I feel like you're saying, and you write it down, and then you look back a week, and you think, boy, I missed that one. Or, no, he really was communicating that to me. Or you write down those prayer requests, and you go back and see, man, the Lord did a miracle there. And he can really teach and train you. Okay? So let me close with these questions here. And we're going to go back and just do a, a praise song and do some altar work. First of all, are you an ark? That means are you saved? I mean, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Number two, do you have, if you are saved, do you have rooms? Are you making room for other people? Are you really going through life? And, and, or even in this church, are you looking for a place to serve, a place to lead, to do something, to, to, to make it easier for people to come in here and grow and be discipled? Maybe you're a Christian, but are you sinking or are you floating? Okay, I'm an ark, but man, I just feel like I'm sinking. I mean, these circumstances are taking me down. And that all happens to us. That's why we come to church. That's why you're a part of a church. You can get encouraged so you can meet some people to keep you covered in prayer. And the other thing, are you preparing for war? 
I mean, are you really a battleship? Are you, are you tired of the, the little now I lay me down to sleep prayers and you're ready to maybe kick it up a notch? I mean, it shouldn't be like the, the three little pigs, you know, where the, the big bad wolf comes and knocks on the door and, you know, huff and puff and I'll blow your house down, oh, not by the hair, in Jesus' name, not by the hair on my chinny chin chin, and then he blows and your house goes down and you run to Pastor Pig, oh, pray, pray for me, pray for me. Or is it when the wolf comes and knocks at the door that you open the door with a double barrel of praise and intercession and you say, meet my little friend. And he goes off running, wee, 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 all the way home. Isn't that the way it should be? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, you're the only one that got that one. The other services didn't get that one. I don't know where it came from. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Real quick, I asked a lot of questions, and you need to respond to the altar based on you know, what God's doing in your heart. You know, if you just need uh, some breakthrough in an area, if any one of these things touch you, I'd come up and worship. Last night, Nick stayed here an extra 40 minutes, and it just, it just went to another level. I'm not saying you have to stay here that long, but you somehow have to just let this sink in for, for a course or two. And we're going to have an altar team come up here. You might need to come and agree with them. Uh, if you're sick in your body, you may do like the Bible says, anoint you with oil, pray the prayer of faith. But let me ask this one question that's very, very important. Are you an ark? If you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Are you 100% sure? Somebody asked me that question 20-some years ago, and I really didn't have the answer. And so when he asked that question, if I wanted to ask Christ in my life, I raised my hand that day. And nothing supernatural happened, nothing strange, but I began to have a peace in my life. Why? Because I, by raising my hand, I invited God to come into my life, to start a relationship. And he won't force his way into your life. Just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. Do you have a personal relationship with Him? Just because you can see that ark, are you going to go through that door named Jesus? So if you're in this room today and you need to get things right with God or you've never invited Him into your life and you want to start a new relationship with Him, on a count of three, you hold your hand up and we'll pray for you. One, two, three. Anybody need to get right with God? See your hand. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Give him a hand clap. Anybody else need to get on the ark? Anybody else? Get right with God. Ask Christ in your life for the first time. Just wait a minute. Okay. Got another one? God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, God just so much has just been drawing you and drawing you. And I know there's just been hurt in your life. And there's been some walls up. But God really wants to come. And just in a very gentle way. He's going to come just begin to tear down those walls. And you can trust your daddy in heaven. And there's some people in here you get to know that you can trust. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Can I have the altar team come up? Try to hang around for a course or two. And if you feel you need to stay, I know Nick will stay a little longer. Just, But the next time you show up for church, let's have some praise and worship. Amen. And it's not what happens up here. It's what happens in here in our hearts. As we collectively do that, man, we're going to see breakthrough. So, Father, I pray right now as we go back into that place of praise, Lord, that people will be healed, people will be delivered, set free. So if you need prayer for anything, you need delivered from anything, come up. If you just want to stand around the altar and, and praise, if you want somebody to agree with you, they'll pray with you. Amen. I'll just face you in just a moment after we go through this one time.